The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. If you don't have a Bible or you want to go ahead and utilize that, but you certainly can use your Bible also, smartphone, iPad, whatever you got. Let's go ahead and read the word of the Lord. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it as he had done to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, now just because it says king of Jerusalem doesn't mean it's a good king, bad king, evil king, before Jerusalem was taken. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, the king of Hebron, Piram, the king of Jarmuth, Jephthah, the king of Lachash, and Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Verse 5. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, king of Hebron, king of Jarmoth, the king of Lachash, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up they and all their armies and camped before Gibeon to make war against it. And the, and the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor and the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chasing them as along the road that goes from Beth Haran, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Mecca, something or other. Amen. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Haran that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekah, and they died. And there were more who died from hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. And then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Asher? And so the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and did not hasten to go down about a whole day. Last verse. And there has been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. 
Father, we thank you for what you've done, Lord, this morning already and now in this afternoon service. We pray that you would give us living understanding, that you, through the power of your spirit and the power of your word, would bring transformation to us, even as never before. You give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. If you're going to succeed in life, you're going to succeed in ministry, you're going to succeed in business, you're going to have to have two, everybody say two, two, two qualities, at least two. You have to have these two. There's others you need to have. If you don't have these two, you just won't make it. And they are faithfulness and loyalty. Say it. Faithfulness and loyalty. Faithfulness. Let's define what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is doing what you say. In other words, you say you're going to do something and you, you do it. That's being faithful. It's following through. It's being on time. It's, not, it, it, it's being trustworthy to fill your notes in. It's not being a flake. Can you say amen? amen? Many people can do the job or even show up on time and work hard, but there's something else that they might be missing, and that's loyalty. I've defined loyalty two ways. One of them is in your notes. The first way I'll define it is the way I learned it many years ago in my discipleship. Loyalty is standing by those you're in covenant with when conflicting pressures increase. Standing by those you're in covenant with when conflicting pressures increase. In, in the notes, loyalty is a commitment to not undermine the person you've chosen to be loyal to, but instead encourage them through your words, actions, and attitude. Everybody say attitude. So there's people that are faithful, they work hard, but they're a backstabber or a backbiter. How many of you know what a backbiter is? A backbiter is somebody who's misplaced their knife. And they just do use words to bite you on the back of your spine. In other words, they're undermining you. Their words, their actions, their attitudes. They might work hard, they might show up on time, they might finish and be diligent in that way, but they're not loyal. In the same way, there's people that are loyal in other words, their attitude is right, but they don't show up on time. They don't keep their word. They don't follow through. They're not trustworthy. You need both qualities to fulfill or to possess the land, meaning that God's got a plan for you. But if you don't learn to be faithful, if you don't learn to be trustworthy, and you don't follow through and keep your heart right, how many of you know you're not going to fulfill the plan that he has for you? And there are churches all across the land, there are businesses all across the land that are totally messed up because people are not faithful generally and they're not loyal. In marriage, the same is true. If you're in the military, the same is true for that. Well, let's look at the text. A covenant or a treaty with Israel in chapter 9 has been made through deceit. Now, I, I preached a message on Wednesday in the series, Warning, Don't Be Deceived, but actually it was in the series also of Possessing the Land because these two intersected here so beautifully I couldn't help myself. So let me summarize the message I preached on Wednesday. These guys, uh, the, the Gibeonites, come to Josh. We'll just call him Josh. They come to Josh and they have moldy bread and they have wine skins that are cracked and old. But it was all a farce. It was all a show. It was all an act. And yet they said, we've come from a faraway country. We heard you guys are all that. We heard that God's with you. And we want to join with you. We want to partner with you. But they were liars. Everybody say liar. liar. 
Yeah, they were liars. They deceived Joshua and Israel because they weren't from a faraway land. They got rotten bread on purpose and they took cracked wineskins on purpose to deceive them into thinking they were from a faraway place because they knew they were about to face extinction because God is bringing, brought judgment upon Canaan's land and his instrument of judgment was Israel led by our fearless leader, Joshua. And they were going to get wiped out just like Ai, just like Jericho. They were going, they were being judged. In fact, if you study the sin of the Amorites, reached its fullness. It is said to Abraham that the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its fullness, but at this time it has. And that's a picture that you can get away with some stuff for a little while, but then it's going to reach its fullness and you in some serious trouble. Amen. And so they come and they lie and they say, make covenant with us. And Joshua makes a covenant with them in chapter 9, verse 14. The key verse of that chapter and the message that I preached is that it says, but Joshua did not inquire of the Lord. It is one of the saddest verses in scripture because his not inquiring, meaning praying, meaning talking, meaning spending time with the one who had the strategy for Jericho, the one who parted the Jordan, the one who fed them in the wilderness, the one who had the plan. He didn't even talk to him. He got all excited, figured he had a corner on the market or something and ran away with it for a number of reasons and ended up getting in covenant with a group of people that would cause great trouble to Israel later on. They became the wood carriers and water haulers for the temple. And you can do a study on the people of Gibeah. But Joshua was deceived. And he was deceived for a number of reasons. One, he looked with his natural eye. Don't live your life based on what you see in the natural. Just because it looks hopeless right now, that's temporal. Temporal means subject to change. God can change it. God can turn it. God can shift things. He can turn things around. But Joshua looked with his natural eye and was deceived. We should not walk by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by what? We walk by faith. Amen. And whatever you have in your life is subject to change right now. And he, they lived according to their natural eye. Their perception was, was skewed. If your perception is skewed on who God is, if your perception is distorted about who the Lord is, I've ministered in insane asylums from the inside. And I'm just telling you, people's perception on God is skewed, is distorted. And as a result, their life is skewed and distorted. And, and Joshua, had a, his perception was wrong. You got to make sure you got proper perception, otherwise you're going to get deceived. How do you know who God is? Through his word. You got to learn his word. You got to know his word. He's kind of like, oh man, I feel goosebumps. That has nothing to do with anything. Praise God for goosebumps, but they come and go, baby. You got to stand on the word of God. Amen. They were preoccupied, I think, with moving ahead. And, and the other reason that they were deceived is they were filled with pride. I think they were just excited, knew that they were, God was with them. So, so you know, we can, we can help a win. But they made a decision based on those things that caused them great pain later on. Joshua giving away territory that he never should have given away to the Gibeonites and caused a bondage even for later on. And so Gibeon is a stench in the nostrils of the kings of the Amorites. Do you understand? They are part of Canaan's land. And they said, oh, we're, we're done with them. Let's go with the winning team. And they did it through deception. And so the rest of the king said, you know what? That's fine. Let's kill you. Let's kill you. So the kings of the Amorites, five of them, get together from the place of the mountains, and they come to attack Gibeon. 
And so as they go to attack Gibeah, Gibeah sends word. They send a runner. They send a messenger to Joshua and say, help! Everybody say help. help. Yeah, they send a messenger to Joshua and say, we're in trouble! They're going to come and whoop up on us. And you said, we're in covenant. Hey, we're in covenant. Hey, we got a deal. We got a deal here. We need some help. So they call for help. And I'm convinced that at that time, there was probably some people standing next to Joshua, and they said something like, you know something? This is God. God has come to bring judgment on the Gibeonites. This is our opportunity to get out of the deal. This is our opportunity to, to, to just let them get crushed. Just let them get wiped out, and we don't have to have a covenant. with. They deceived us anyway. And Josh doesn't do that. Josh responds and goes, gets help, goes and helps him, which is amazing to me because many people shake hands today and they don't keep their word at all. Not so with others, though. Amen? Amen. You remember that saying, our word is, is my bond. My word is my bond. Joshua was a, a covenant keeper. Joshua was faithful and loyal with Moses. He was faithful and loyal. We went with the spies. He was faithful and loyal as part of his character as who he was, and so was Caleb. So he wasn't about to be disloyal and unfaithful now. And so he marches all night. It's about 35 kilometers, if, and we know that from archaeological finds. About 35 kilometers ascending, you'll see it says in the text, because it's up a grade. That's about 20 miles. Anybody ever marched for 20 miles? You know, can you imagine with armor and all of that? You hike for 20 miles. How about all night and then you have to fight? We're talking a serious endeavor. And if you look at D, God gives him great victory. A great victory is one. Faithfulness to fight, Lord, loyalty to be there when their partner, their covenant relationship, even though it was made in deceit. Loyalty to fight when they needed help. Now I want to tell you that if you can't learn to be faithful, you can't learn to be loyal, you will not fulfill the plan that God has for your life. So Satan knows that, and he, he attempts to attack us. He attempts to mess us up. He attempts to derail us on our way to destiny. He attempts to derail us and, and get us off in a ditch somewhere instead of possessing the land. Well, how does he, how does he do that? He, he, he attempts to do that a number of different ways. How does Satan attack? Well, I think one of the first ways is through our fallen human nature. Got to watch out. For the fallen human nature. Amen. In other words, you get a job and you just start feeling lazy and you won't quite work as hard as you know you should be or you know you can. He'll attempt to undermine us, for instance, when you make a commitment to pray. Now, the Lord knows you made the commitment to pray and, and in fact, miracles are waiting to be released as you pray, but your flesh doesn't want to get its carcass out of the bed in the morning. So when the alarm goes off, you know, your fallen human nature says, oh, Pastor Alex will lead prayer. Praise God. Or Pastor Daniel will lead it. He'll do it. Praise the Lord. Your flesh can mess you up. And you need to learn to discipline it. You need to learn to put it down. You need to reckon yourself dead to sin. Amen. Now that, 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 when do you learn that? Uh, th that fight is never over. It's over when Jesus comes. It's over when you're dead. The fight with your flesh will be over. Until then, it's not over. But I have learned that 
you know, you can train yourself and it can be a little easier. It can get easier. My flesh used to roar. Not anymore. We were working out yesterday and uh, one of the reasons I work out is it's death to my flesh. Can't do any more? Tough. Rocks. You're doing more. I play this little game. My flesh is, quit. I was working out with my daughter yesterday. I wanted to quit so bad. I even had a good reason. I had to be somewhere at 6.30. And it was like just just 5.30. I, I'm, and my reason was, I'm gonna tell you, this is how the flesh works, man. This is how the flesh works. So I'm working out. I've been, we've been going for 40 minutes or whatever. I've got to know, we got another 10 minutes. But I know, yeah, anybody big sweaters over here? When I, when I heat up, man, cooling off is a long process. I mean, you know, go ahead, take a cold shower, whatever. I'm still going to be sweating 20 minutes afterwards. It just takes a little bit. So I'm thinking, I've got to stop now because I need to cool off because I don't want to go off to my the, the thing I have and still be sweating through my clothes after I take a shower. And so <laughs> I say to Hannah in a plea of, of, of weakness, she didn't know it, she knows now. I said, oh, I got to stop early. I got to stop early because I... <laughs> I gotta cool off. She goes, you can take a cold shower or something. As we're as we're trying to oh come on, your flesh wants to cave in, your flesh wants to give up. For prayer, I've got little systems for me. I mean, when I, I, I my alarm goes off, you know, I, I give myself about three to five minutes. And after three to five minutes, you gotta get up. And so I have this technique. It's three minutes, you know, which is more like 30 seconds, you know. It's, of course, when you're getting the best sleep ever, and you really need it. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I look at the clock. I'm like, Jesus. And I've got this internal clock. I'm like, Lord, I love you. Help me. Help me, God. And then the flesh would be like, Mike's going to be there. Mike, I know. Shut up. Hallelujah. Jesus, I've committed myself to prayer. Lord, help me. You know, or, or you didn't sleep that night. You didn't sleep so good. You need a little bit more sleep. And I have this system where I reach across with my heel and put it on the corner, on the edge of my bed. And when that clock hits that five-minute mark, I'm applying pressure to my heel and spinning myself around and sitting up and standing up. That's it. The enemy wants you to yield to your fallen human nature. And if he can get you to yield to your fallen human nature, then you will fail. You will not be faithful and you will not be loyal. Don't yield to your fallen human nature. Secondly, through lies and attempting to harbor resentment. The devil is a liar. He's the, that's his native language, the Bible says. He's the father of lies. So he speaks lies. If he can get you to believe a lie about you, about your boss, about your leader, about your ministry, about the Lord, if he can get you to believe a lie and then begin to harbor resentment, then he can end up causing you to be unfaithful and disloyal. And I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. Married couples, usually, uh, you know, somebody watching a soap opera, Days of Our Lives or Days of the Idiots, I call them. Anyway, you become what you behold. So you keep watching that stuff. And before you know it, you're just in the drama yourself. And you, and you, and you just imagine all of those things. And you start craving that kind of stuff. It actually becomes part of you. I've seen people addicted to soap operas. And their life is a soap opera. And one, one real, very real situation, somebody came and they talked about, she said, my husband, this is not here. And it was nobody here. It didn't happen in Alaska. Everybody say it didn't happen here. Good. So if you feel like this fits your story, it's not your story, right? 
they come in, the married couple, they come in, they say, see, she's convinced I'm committing adultery. And uh, I said, well, what's going on? He came home the other day and, and uh, I saw blonde hair on his suit. Now she forgot that her hair was blonde about a month ago. She's a brunette now. She used to be blonde. And, and he hasn't worn this. I'm saying it's a God's honest truth. And he hasn't worn the suit since. And he says that. She's like, no, you did. You do it. You wore that suit. So I'm going to tell you, I'm not doing anything. No, 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 you are. And it goes back and forth. And I've seen this happen. I've seen a husband. I've seen it with a wife, too. The same is true the opposite way. Of course, men don't usually watch. They watch hunting shows and stuff like that. They don't usually watch Day the Idiot. But, but I've seen it go the other way, where the enemy can sow a lie into a man or sow a lie into the, the woman, and they can be then begin to believe it, and they then begin to accuse the other one, and they begin to get resentment. And for, for I've heard a man, a man said this to me, and it doesn't warrant why he did it, but he committed adultery, and here's what he said to me. Pastor, for one whole year, she knew I was committing adultery, and I wasn't. I was trying to work things together over and over and over, constantly accusing me, constantly checking my phone. I never did anything wrong. And then finally I said, forget it then. I'm going to commit adultery. It's a true story. It doesn't make it right. The devil just got in there. The devil can get in to get you to believe a lie or to get you into resentment. Then he'll cause you to be unfaithful and disloyal and you'll get derailed and messed up. We give Satan power when we communicate his lies. Oh, beware of the enemy's strategies. Faithfulness, but especially loyalty, especially loyalty can be tested during crisis. Gibeon is attacked, and Joshua was faithful and loyal. All right, how to overcome Satan's trap so you stay faithful, so you stay loyal. If you're unfaithful in your marriage, you won't be married for long. If you're unfaithful in your studies, you won't be doing very good in school. If you're unfaithful in the military, you get dishonorably discharged. If you're unfaithful to the, to the Lord and to his word, well, he still loves you, but you're going to end up with a messed up life. And you won't possess the land. You won't fulfill what God has for you. you have to, we have to do our part. God does his part. So how to overcome Satan's trap? The first thing is make God your highest allegiance. Everybody say it. Make God my highest allegiance. Make it personal. One, two, three. Make God my highest allegiance. In other words, he is number one. You make God number one. I was very blessed over this past week hearing Pastor Alex uh, and his mentoring class that he had with a number of young adult leaders and youth leaders. They didn't know it, but I was on the other side of the wall getting ministered to by the power of God. A marvelous presence was there in that office, and I could just hear it on the other side of the wall. And I sat down and listened to this tremendous teaching, which I'm very familiar with, about authority. There's structural authority and spiritual authority. Structural authority is like government. Jesus, help us. Everybody say, Jesus, help us. Yeah, because our government needs some serious Jesus help right now. Government is structural authority. Employer is structural authority. Family is an example of structural authority. The church is an example of structural authority. And in Romans, it talks about how God has ordained uh, these structures. Now, you learn spiritual authority through submission to structural authority. Everybody say that. I learn spiritual authority through submission to structural authority. In other words, you can't say you're just obeying God, but you rebel against all authority that's underneath you, because that's not even biblical. Hello? Now, the highest allegiance is to God and his word. 
So if government comes and says, you will not say the name of Jesus, you will not read your word, we say pound sand. That's what we say. Why, do we, why would we say pound sand? You understand what pound sand is? In other words, stick it. I'm doing it anyway. I'm not going to obey you. I'm obeying God. There's a higher law. There's a higher law than you telling me I can't worship the king of kings. Amen. So the example of that is, is in Acts chapter 5. They're the Peter and, and John, they've just done this miracle in Acts uh, chapter 4. Acts chapter 5, they're in big trouble. They're before the religious leaders of the day, and the religious leader tell them, hey, you can't preach the name of Jesus anymore. And they say this to their leaders. They say, well, you judge whether it's right for us to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help but testify about what we have seen and what we have heard. In other words, we're doing it anyway, Slick. Why? Because God was their highest allegiance. Now, there might come a time when, you'll be, when you will be tested in the area of your faithfulness and loyalty. In our nation, there might come a time. How will you do? How do you overcome Satan's traps? Number one, make God your highest allegiance. You do the right thing. No matter what anybody says, no matter what pressure is on you, do the right thing. The second way is rely on God's strength. You'll see this in verse 8 of the chapter that we read. Joshua 10, verse 8. And that reads, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Which is a fascinating word. God's telling him that. And he has to, he's counting on it, but it's not happened yet. It's a promise. Joshua, Joshua gets a promise. The Lord said, don't fear them, for I've delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. He's, he's marching. He's five miles or ten miles into his hike. I mean, I don't know how long he's into his hike, but they didn't even get to battle yet, and he has this promise from God. We all need to learn to rely on God's strength. And you know when you need to rely on his strength? When you can't do it, when you're weak. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. You know, you know when you just want to quit? Yeah, that's when you can really worship right there. You know when you just, it's not convenient, and it hurts, and it's painful, and you're feeling the pressure of all that? Oh, that's when you can offer up a sweet fragrance unto the Lord when you just obey him. And the last thing in the world you want to do is, is do that. And I, I, I self-inflict myself with stuff like this. I'm saying, you know, working out again. We stood before that stupid TV. And I thought the last thing, I said it too. I said, the last thing I want to do is this right now. But I'm committed. So press play and I jump around like a little gerbil and watch a little DVD so I can get in shape and discipline my flesh. And there are times when you just, the last thing you want to do is go to church. The last thing you want to do is read your Bible. The last thing you want to do is pray. I was just uh, in a, uh, a heated debate with some, uh, some peers of mine. And uh, we were working, working it through and we were not in agreement. And uh, it just came time to agree to disagree. And at that, at that time, as we agreed to disagree... 
Dr. Morocco said to me, Pastor Daniel? I said, yes. He says, lead us in prayer. Can I tell you what I want to do? I did not want to pray. That was all. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you just start praying. Why? When I was ordered to pray by somebody who's over me, and two, that's the right thing to do. My flesh just was like, I want to be done with the meeting right now. Oh, I, am I the only one that feels that way? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, some of you in your, some of you in your, in your times with your spouse, you're just like, ah, and you walk off. Can I tell you something? Wrong time to walk off. Pray. Agree to disagree, but even work it out. All right, I must be preaching to a different crowd here or somewhere. Else. Oh, Jesus. Trying to help of God. All right. Okay. Everybody say rely on God's strength. The third thing is test, test the spirits. Not, listen, not everything is telling you the truth. I've had people say this to me. Oh, no, it's the right thing. I can feel it. So what makes your, your feelings the paramount decision-making truth in the world? You don't live according to your feelings. Hello? You live according to truth. The word is truth. You live according to the word. Sometimes you feel it. Other times you don't. Sometimes you want to throw in the towel. Other times you feel like you're on the mountain. It's irrelevant. Feelings are overrated. Be faithful and loyal to God's word and what God said, and God will begin to do amazing things for you, which we're about to look at. And when you hear something, listen, not everybody's telling the truth. There are some bad apples out there. Some rotten apples. Nay, there's some road apples. Figure that out. What's a road apple? What's a road apple? That's, that's horse pucky. That's what that is. There are some people out there that are full of that, and they just want to spew it everywhere. All right. Keep communication lines open. Pucky. I don't know how to spell that. Horse pucky with a P. Keep communication lines open. Give you an ask for help. Listen, when you're in difficulty and when you're being pressed, ask for help. I've had people that have suffered for a month. Nobody knew it. Our connect department tries to connect with them. They're suffering. They're going through something. And when we finally find out what it is, we, we had the answer to that. Like that, that week, I could have helped them get that solution right away, but they suffer for four weeks because I don't ever ask for help. I'm going to tell you something. You're not meant to do this thing alone. There are no, look, there's, you're not meant supposed to do it alone. There's no disciples in crowds. It's a personal experience as you grow in God and relationship with others. Get to know people in the church. Develop, there's an amazing amount of networking that takes place. Look, if you need a job, how about mention it to one of my staff? Do you know I have employers that call me and say, Pastor, this happens to me all the time. Pastor, do you know anybody that needs a job? Now, immediately, I'm thinking, yes. And the next thing I'm thinking, most of the, many, I'll say many, many of the people I know need jobs, they're not faithful in church. They don't show up on time. I don't know anything about them, but I know they need work. But, but am I going to recommend them? Am I going to recommend them and say, yeah, you should take this person? Now, occasionally I do that, but I do with a disclaimer, which is this. Well, there is this person that needs a job. I don't know them, so I can't endorse them. I could know them. In other words, I could if they had relationship, but they don't. 
So I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. I said now, but if you need to fire them or need to correct them, you know, it's all, it's all on you. I'm not, I'm, not putting my, I'm not putting my name and my stamp of the good KC House of Approval on them. Okay, now there's other people. There's other people that come in and they get cracking. They get working. They get going. Here's one right here. I'm so proud of you. God left everything in Missouri, moved, moved to Alaska with, with nothing. Got a job within his first week. Started serving his ears off. Before you know it, God blessed him with a car. God blessed him with all kinds of stuff, and half the blessing ain't even here yet. You're right. Amen. Faithful, loyal. Amen. If you're not faithful and loyal, you're not going to fulfill, fulfill your, your, the calling and purpose for your life. Is this helping somebody? But you got to ask for help when you get in, in difficult places. I'm really convinced that many people go through difficulties they don't know what to go through if they were actually connected in the body in such a way that they could communicate and ask for help and, and get, get strengthened. Okay, I, I know all you, this isn't fitting anybody here, I'm sure. But... All right, five. Renew your vision. Renew your vision of your marriage. Renew your vision of what God's called you to. Renew vision of what you're doing and what you're doing in church, what you're doing at your job. Why are you working the job you're working? Is it just to make money? Okay, well, God's got a bigger plan for you than just making money. So, so really, I think everybody should be called into what they're doing. In other words, if God, I believe there's ordained plumbers. You know what I'm talking about. God called you to do what you're doing. You're not just doing it so you can make a living. That, that, that's, you know, there's, there's a higher place. Believe for that. Can you say amen? And you've got to refresh. What, what, is, what is God speaking to you? What's he saying to you? What is the, what's your vision of your life? What it's all about? What's your dream? What's your dream? What's he called you to? All right. The results of being faithful and loyal as we bring this to conclusion. The results of being faithful or loyal, God will encourage us and give us a promise. Now, he begins to march and then God says to him, I'm going to put everybody up into your, you don't have to worry about them. I'm going to fight for you. All of these things are going to happen for you. I'm going to deliver them into your hands. When you get moving for God, God will begin to give you a promise. And he'll, he'll fight for you. Look at, look at B. God will fight for you. Exodus 23, 27 says this. And this is the promise that Joshua was living in. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw them into confusion. Every nation you encounter, I'll make your enemies turn their backs and run. Dude, that's exactly what happened in the text that we read. Yeah, it's a promise. And God's fighting for them. And God will answer your prayers in an extraordinary way. I love the prayer that he prayed. And Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day, verse 12. Come on, put up verse 12 for me. Joshua spoke to the Lord. And when he speaks to the Lord, he doesn't play some whimsical, limp-wristed, half-hearted, lackadaisical, wishy-washy prayer. Joshua 10, verse what? Verse 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, he's... He's speaking to the Lord, but he commands creation. 
Son, stand still. I mean, this dude turned it loose. What kind of prayer is that? I'm going to tell you something. It is one of the most irritating things for me, although you'll never know it if you pray it around me. I'm not going to let you know. But it is very irritating for me to hear when some 25-year-old has cancer and somebody prays some lame prayer like, Lord, if it's your will, God, that maybe you could possibly spare some time to help him die early, Lord. Have you ever heard somebody pray some prayer that has zero authority? Son, stand still, he says. God will answer your prayers in unusual ways, but I I probably need to have another point in there. You ought to pray them. You ought to pray those prayers. You have authority. The devil is like a dog. I use this illustration in the second service. I'll use it again. I used to run, you know, I, I still do a little bit, but I used to run a lot. And I, I was running in my neighborhood, and I had this Great Dane. Everybody see a Great Dane? Well, this one had a devil, okay? I think, maybe. And I think the owner filed its teeth. So it was like a Great Dane vampire-type freakish dog. And you just, I mean, the thing was as big as a horse, and it could run way faster than me. I mean, it was a big dog. And so I I remember running the first day I ran by. That dog came out, and I almost soiled myself. I was terrified. I was looking for a stick, a rock, anything I could do to not get bit by the vampire Great Dane part horse dog, right? And I survived the attack. And then I began to look for a rock every time I would run past that, that location in the run. And the dog stopped coming out. So I'm thinking, hallelujah, I've got authority, baby. Pray the dog knows it's going to get whooped up, so I don't have to worry about the dog. And so I forgot about the dog for three or four or five runs. I would think about it a little bit, but it wasn't coming out, so I forget the neighbor. I mean, the the person that owned the dog was had it handled, locked up, whatever. And then I'm running. Weeks go by. I'm running, and I'm I'm not even thinking about it, and this freak demonized Great Dane with the filed teeth, the part vampire dog, comes out, and it wasn't like it came out at a distance where I could begin to prepare myself for the battle. It comes sneaking out from behind a tree, and it's just, now something happened to me when that happened. Deep down in the city of my soul, I knew I was going to kill the dog. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so the thing's going to get a piece of my acole, and I spun around, you have to look that up on Google. I spun around, and it's like, and I was like, and the dog was like, I just came, I just head to head, you know, just, and I sat there growling at it, and the dog's going, and we just did this thing. The dog knew that I was going to have a piece, I was going to bust its face. I may get bitten, but I was going to take its throat. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what? The dog never attacked me. And I'm back down the street. Ah, 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 ah. What's the point? There's no point. Let's move on to the next one. (laughs) The point is, pray with authority. Learn who you are in God. Learn the power and the authority you have in Jesus' name. And when you pray that way, it releases miracles that are beyond anything you've ever experienced. I stood in a home, and they began to tell me about their daughter who was gone for three years, that she was on on crystal meth. They'd not had a phone call 
and they began to weep. And as they're weeping, I began to weep. And we're both crying and we're praying, oh God, oh God. And then something snapped. I ended up on top of one of their chairs. <laughs> I ended up on top of one of their chairs in their living room. I, don't ask me why I got on the chair. I don't know. I stood on the chair and I said, in the name of Jesus, and I called her name, and I can't remember what it is, you are going to call in the next week and you'll be home in 30 days in Jesus' name. And it was like this ding. And I was on the chair and oh, praise God. Got back down. I was like, well, amen. And they said, amen. I, was, I walked out. I was like, what? What? I walked out going, really? Lord, really? I mean, I walked out and said, I hope that happens. I talked to them in the middle of the week, no phone call. I called him again. I said, well, yeah, I'm starting thinking. I was going to call him and say, it was really symbolic, actually. I mean, I had these thoughts. I had these thoughts like, oh, false prophet. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> New pastor at Kauai stood on their chair. Do you know what happened? She called on Saturday. Believe me, I thought I was going to turn into, I don't know, get stoned on Sunday. So I'm like, Jesus, by Saturday, God. Come on, God. Come on. By Saturday, the phone call came. I didn't talk to her in three years. Within 30 days, as God is my witness, she was home and in her house. Listen, some of you got to catch what I'm telling you right now. You don't have to beg God. You, you decree things. You declare things when you know it's his will and you know it's his word. Now, you can't decree and declare stuff that you think maybe. But you got to know. And that thing honestly came out of me, moved by the spirit of God. She was back home in 30 days. She was in church that following weekend. She gave her heart to Jesus, got saved. At the midweek, she got baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled with the fire of the power of heaven. She was with us for about another 30 days and moved to Honolulu, got involved in a church there, met a man. They're in ministry today. They are in ministry today. They came and they offered me this Samoan war club thing and they heard the story about standing on the chair. And honestly, couldn't take any much credit for it. But I do know this. When you pray with authority, he looked at and he said, son, stand still. He knew that God was backing him. He knew the power and the authority he had. Do you know the power and authority that you have? Do you? Are you using it? Now, you know somebody has authority when they use it. Don't tell me of authority. You don't use it. You don't see breakthrough in your life. Yeah. God will do extraordinary answers to prayer. And penultimately, that means second to last. D, God will elevate you. God elevated Israel that day. Oh, the extraordinary miracles, Minister Micah. The extraordinary miracles. I, I got to talk about the hailstones that were laser-guided, heaven-guided hailstones. Big enough to kill a man. That's a big hailstone. I've seen some smaller. I've seen some big ones that are like this. We're not talking. I think they were like stone size. And can you imagine if you're chasing somebody and, and you're at war and God sends hailstones, they had to go around the Israelite head and hit the Amorite. Nobody in Israel got hit by a hailstone. You know, those in the Middle, Middle East coming against Israel ought to read this text. God, God will fight for Israel. You will. If you find yourself 
at the end of all time, the rapture's taken place, and you find yourself alive, do not join the army. Because if you join the army after the rapture, you will find yourself fighting God. It's a bad idea. It's just some free information, just in case you decide not to be faithful and loyal in your walk with the Lord. Remember that. God elevated them in verse 21. Look at verse 21. We didn't read it, but I'll read it to you. And all the people returned to the camp. This is after every head's busted and all the people are dead. All the five kings, all the five Amorites are all wiped out. They come back in peace. And it says, no one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. <laughs> you see, God so broke through for them because Joshua was faithful and loyal. That what, what could you say? I mean, what could you say if you're like an Amorite? Uh, whoa. I quit now. I just want to turn in everything. You can have my land, my property. I'll just evict myself. Nobody said anything against Israel because they knew that God was for them. I'm going to tell you, when God comes through for you, God comes through for us because we're faithful and loyal. He'll elevate you. And I've said this to employers, to those, those in business, in ministry. If you're not faithful, do not hire anybody that's not faithful and loyal. It doesn't matter what gifts they have. You could have, you could out-sing, out-worship, out-do all of that stuff. If you're not faithful and loyal, you will never be on this platform ever. Why? Because we just don't elevate anybody that's not faithful and loyal. And the reason that, that many churches are messed up is they'll look for talent. I, I'm evidence that you don't even have to have any talent. It's partially brain damaged. I just kept coming. I, I don't even know how I ended up being able to communicate. I couldn't even talk to a group of people. I couldn't, I couldn't even communicate to, to people. And God, God gave me a, a job as a tour guide with 13 people. I had to talk to them. 13 turned to 20, and then I was the life group leader. And standing before you preaching the Word of God, it's just a miracle to me. I, I just kept coming. Amen. I'm not saying I'm the greatest preacher or anything like that. I'm just saying that if you're faithful and you're loyal, you can be brain damaged and God will give you brains. God will help you. But if you're not faithful, you're not loyal, it doesn't matter what gifts you got. No, it just you won't see the breakthrough. You won't possess the land. You won't get elevated. You won't be promoted. You won't fulfill your destiny in God. It won't happen. You've got to be faithful. You've got to do what you say you're going to do. you got to keep your heart right. you got to get involved. you got to plug in. Come on. Can you say amen? Lastly, God will move you forward. God will move you on forward in possessing the land. I love sales, but not as much as my wife or my daughter. But I do like deals. Joshua and Israel got a five-for-one package. Because they were faithful and loyal, God gave them five, five of the kings of the Amorites wiped out in one shot. Miraculously. If you'll be faithful and loyal, God will take care of it all. Come on, somebody say amen. Stand up on your feet, won't you all across this place? Hallelujah! Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. You are the definition of faithful. You are the definition of loyal. Lord, there's no one like you. 
Yet we've been made in your image and likeness and you've died for us and you rose again for us and you grafted us in. You've given us your word, a lamp unto our feet, a light upon our path. Lord, that by your word, we can change by the power of your spirit. Some of you are far from faithful and far from loyal. You need to repent. Maybe you're online. You need to get right with God today. And every one of us here, me for the third time, my staff for the third time, come on, well, how are you doing? How are you doing in the area of faithfulness and loyalty? Ask yourself, how am I doing? Ask the Lord, Lord, how am I doing? And be listen, listen to his answer. And you know, all of us can, can do better. How are you doing in the area of faithfulness with your wife, with your spouse? Some of you are committing heart adultery. Stop it. What do you mean? It means, you, you know. Lady at the office or that man at work been wooing you. You're headed for a train wreck. Stop. Don't be so nice. Listen, I've found in my life that sometimes some people just need to hear it rude, man. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I've, I've had it. I've had it. I've had it in ministry. I've had it on the job. People are like, hi. I'm like, getting a coffee with Mike, with with one of the brothers in the church, uh, Rappy, Tom Rappy. Getting a coffee. It's years ago. And this girl at the coffee place was practically crawling out the window. She needed a lot more clothing. We order our drinks, and I was like, you know, can I help you? Oh, Jesus, I just, uh, you know, I just want to, uh, uh, you know, I just wanted a five-shot Americano, four-shot Americano, whatever little half and half on top of a little bit of sugar. Rappy orders his, and so she comes back, and then she hands us her drinks, and she said, I'll never forget what she said. She's leaning out the window. I'm looking straight ahead. Amen. I don't know what Tom was doing. I'm paying attention to my own self. I'm looking straight ahead. I'm like, oh, thank you. I'm taking them. And she says, oh, 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 do you need some sleeves for those bad boys? Do you need some sleeves for those bad boys? I'm not, I don't even know what she's talking about. I'm like, no, we're good. We're good. Take off. Some of you are hooked by that stuff. Some of you play with it. Some of you go to that, that some of you go to that business because of that happens and you look forward to it. You anticipate that. You're like, oh, I'm just gonna get my coffee. But really, it's a little pocket of lust you have. Look, apply it if the shoe fits. Same thing with it's usually men's condition there, but with women listening to a, a man who tells you how beautiful you look or wants to listen to how you feel wants to talk with you you stop doing that with your husband maybe and you end up you end up in heart adultery or worse how faithful how loyal are you in your relationships how about with your children that that man i i need to close but that man they, they figured out they, they think they figured out the guy who beheaded the journalist is a british 21 22 year old british rapper actually and he's uh you know fighting with isis and they think they've made the match. And in his own raps and music and stuff that was on YouTube, 
talks about the bitterness he has because at six years old, his father was extradited. Now listen to this. There are people that are bitter and angry because their fathers weren't faithful and weren't loyal. And I can tell you now that if you have children, come on, impregnating someone, it's more than your job, sir. It's to be a father, to spend time, to love them. To, 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 if you said you're going to play ball with them, then you better get the, the mitt out and play some ball. You say you're going to spend time with them, you better do it. Why? Because you are modeling what it is to be faithful. And many a man has been damaged because of the wounds of our presence are filled with young men that had no fathers. Their fathers weren't faithful. They weren't loyal. I don't even, when I witness to people, I don't even use the term heavenly father. Because oftentimes when I say your heavenly father loves you, a big wall drops before people and they don't even hear me. And not one thing I say after that, they're done. With that. You need to be faithful. Ladies, you need to be faithful. Be faithful in your covenant relationships with your children, with your spouses, with your church. Be faithful. Now ask yourself this question and then I'm closing. If the church was dependent upon you and how you were serving and how faithful and loyal you were, how well would we be doing? Hallelujah. Well, I think that's cause for asking God to forgive us and asking, come on, we're going to ask God to forgive you. We can all do better. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be more faithful. Let me go to another level of faithfulness. Let me go to another level of loyalty. God, we want to do our very best. We want to fulfill what you've called us to. Help us, God. Help us, Lord, I pray. Help us, Lord, not to yield to our fallen human nature. Help us not to yield to the lies and, and resentment. Help us not to fall into these traps that the enemy has set. Because we want to be like you. We want to, we want to be like you. And when it's all said and done, and we're standing before your throne, when it's all over, and our life on this earth is over, we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. Help us to be a faithful people, to love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul and strength. That we would transform this nation, transform this culture. That serving Jesus, living righteously would be the cool thing. God, you would flip our culture, Lord, I pray. Lord, bring revival, bring reformation. Use us, Lord, as we're faithful, that our word would be our bond and we would not shrink back by the pressures want us to be disloyal. We will serve you as the highest allegiance. Knowing in the end, that's the only thing that'll matter. So Lord, we praise you for it. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, don't you leave this place not being made right. What do you mean by that? I mean, have you never given your heart to Jesus? He died on a cross for you, rose from the grave for you because you can't earn salvation. None of us can. You ever lied before? Well, sure you have. You ever lusted before? Yes, you have. So have I. You ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Uh-huh, that too. Well, that's three of the Ten Commandments busted right there. So what are you going to do about that? See, there's nothing you can do. 
it's already marked against you in eternity. There is nothing you can do. You can surrender your body to the flames. You can give all your money away. None of that is going to reconcile the lies, the stealing, the cheating, the taking the Lord's name in vain, the adultery, on, so on and so forth that we've all done. It's all it's already marked against you, and it cannot be blotted out by anything but the blood of Jesus. This is scripture. Leviticus says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So you mean even if I start living right now, that's not going to take care of all of my sin that I did before? Yes, it's absolutely right. Because and then you could, that's called earning it. It's grace. It's a free gift so that no man would boast. Are you telling me, Pastor, that all I need to do is be sorry before the Lord, ask him to forgive me and believe that he died in my place and receive his free gift? Yes, that's it. Here, let's pretend this is a gift. It's my Bible, all right? I'm gonna give it to Mike. You ready? I'm just kidding. I want it back later, but for the for illustration purposes. Okay, I just gave Mike my Bible. Is there missing anything? It's a perfect gift, it's perfect. When God gives you salvation, it's perfect. All you gotta do is take it. Everybody say, take it. If you're online or you're here in this place, do not leave this building without being made right with God. Don't do it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. He's got a brand new life for you, but you've got to reach out. You've got to receive it like Mike had to reach out for my Bible. You've got to reach out and, and receive that free gift by faith. Faith, confident assurance of what you cannot see. Confident assurance, definition of faith, confident assurance of what you cannot see. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to him. In other words, recommitment, you've drifted. You need to come home today. If that's you, first time or you want to come home, slip your hand up right now. Slip your hand up now. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands going up all over. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you in the back. I see that hand over there. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say, woo. Come on, going to get right with Jesus. Now, if you're serious, we never want to embarrass anybody. But Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And we have a theory here based on that scripture that if you can't acknowledge the fact that you're going to live for God in front of a bunch of people that already love him, it's going to be very hard to do that out there. So if you raise your hand and you're serious, you meant business with God, as soon as Minister Micah begins to sing, I want you to meet me right here. And we're going to pray together and service will be over. Come on, come right now. My heart. Come on. Come. You I raise your hand. You come. Meet me right here. I live for you. I live for you. prayer. Again, those that are online, you just pray it out of sincerity of heart. Those of you are up front here, just, just pray it with all your heart. All right, you ready? You guys ready? Y'all ready? You ready? 
Now, when you pray this prayer, everything you ever did wrong, everybody say everything. Every lie I ever told. Come on, say it. Every lie I ever told. Everything I ever stole. Every wrong I ever did is going to be removed because of his blood. Pray with me right out loud. Just right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. I'm sorry. Come into my life. Come into my heart and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. All across this place, those up front, those online, those in the congregation, lift your hands to heaven. Come on, that's just a sign of surrender. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. That's where your help comes from. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Your touch, your healing, your blessing. Lord, upon it, these thank you that the old is gone and the new has come. Thank you for a new life, God. Thank you for a new start. Thank you, Lord. Sins are forgiven. Everything's forgiven. It's like a, a big, a big uh, chalkboard. It's just wiped out. It's just erased. God has pressed delete. It's deleted. It's gone. You're forgiven. It's washed. It's cleansed. You're free. You're delivered because of what Jesus did for you. Free. Loosed. Loosed. Loosed from every bondage. Lord, even from depression. Lord, from everything that would afflict in the name of Jesus. Liberated by the power of the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Woo! New heart. He's pulling out the heart of stone. He's putting in a heart of flesh. He's healing. Oh, years, years. Past relationships. Just let it go right now. Past relationships. Just washing it all away brand new today brand new today healed free loosed for the glory of god in jesus name amen now y'all look at me real quick here look at me everybody look at me we're gonna take just a moment of your time all right I want you just to head right down that middle aisle, right down there, right out to the lobby. Follow Pastor Alex to assist. We want to give you a gift. Just two minutes. Just follow Pastor Alex right there. Just head right that way. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead. We'll pray for you. Edna, would you help them, please? Put your hands together for these. Carol, would you help? Come on, put your hands together for God. Woo! Hallelujah. And ushers, if you'd go ahead and close those doors. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice and thank Him right out loud. Somebody got saved. Somebody got saved. Somebody got saved. Yes, they did. <laughs> Somebody got saved. Somebody got saved, somebody got saved. Yes, they did. 
Father, thank you for what you've done this morning, this afternoon. Holy Spirit, come upon these gathered here right now. As Joshua was faithful, we covenant, we commit to be faithful and to be loyal to you and your word. No matter what happens, even with government, outside pressures, peer pressures, Lord, we want to have a heart that's steadfast towards you. Oh, God. A heart that's steadfast towards you, Jesus. If you want to live for God the rest of your life, you're never going to turn your back on me. You're going to be faithful to God. I want you just to pray this with me. If not, don't pray this. Say, I commit. Come on, say, I commit to live for you, to obey your word, to be used by you. I will be faithful to you all the days of my life. Jesus' name. Help me, Lord, to be faithful, to be loyal in all of my relationships, in my church, in my home, to my children, to my nation. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for all that you've done. 
We thank you for your sweet spirit that's in this place, God. And as we go, I pray that you would use us for your glory. I pray that people would see our good works and glorify you who is in heaven. God, that we would be found faithful and loyal, God, before you. We thank you today, God, for your word, Lord, that is a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our path. I pray that it would be written upon our heart that we would not sin against you. I pray, God, that you would use us as light in the darkness, God. And I pray that you'd bless your people, cause your face to shine upon them, lift up your countenance towards them, be gracious to them and keep them and give them peace. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.